Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 344 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asked you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. So last episode, of course, we talked about the potential trade of Bradley Bill from Washington and what that could possibly look like, what team he could help the most, or what team would need his services the most. Well, as we sit here today, <laughs> Bradley Bill has been traded to the Phoenix Suns. Now, sit with me. If I'm just forewarning, a lot of my uh, biasness and fandom is going to come out of the, in this episode. So, if you're not trying to hear it, I get it. I understand. I'll see you episode 345. But there's a lot of ways to dissect and look at this trade as a whole and that's what we're going to do let's first start with the trade the phoenix suns get bradley bill and the washington wizards get chris paul landry shamit i think a couple or multiple second round picks and a couple second round pick swaps meaning you know what let's <laughs> Let's not let's not get to the Washington side yet. I have I have a good bit of energy for Washington, so let's just wait on that. Let's just talk about the trade in general. Or let's talk about it on 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 or the benefits on Phoenix's side. You're getting Bradley Bill. Last episode we talked about just how vital and how important and how good Bradley Bill is as a offensive weapon, as a score. And I talked about how lethal Bradley Bill can be as a second or third option. It's clear, it, it has been clear if you look at how his tenure transpired in Washington that Bradley Bill might not be a, an, or he hasn't proven to be a number one option. And when he is a number one option, your team is a championship caliber team. But what he has, but when you have a skill set as good as Bradley Bills, and he's not a number one option, that drastically makes your team better. And when you look at this Phoenix Suns team, it's hard not to, at least at first, praise just or this move. Think about it. You what they did was they they essentially took an. Uh, uh, a contract that's expensive and they're going to be over the cap and they took a that contract which is Chris Paul and paired it with another contract that's very expensive that they're going to be over cap and in in Bradley Bill. Now you're probably thinking to yourself how was that a plus? Well, Phoenix already knew that they were going to have a tough time building the roster. They already knew that they're going to have to t have a tough time paying not only, you know, KD's contract, Chris or Devin Booker's contract, and then also Chris Paul's contract. Well, it's like the lesser of two evils. Would you want to have a tough time trying to figure out how to overpay or how to pay for Chris Paul's contract or how to pay for Bradley Bill's contract? It, it's it's smart on their part. You know what I mean? It's smart, and it now you have two play or three players that scored over twenty two points a game last year. Actually, over 23 points a game last year. And you have one of the most potent 
or probably the most offensively potent trio in basketball right now. It's hard for me to look at the landscape of basketball and not think that the Phoenix Suns with Devin Booker, with Kevin Durant, and with Bradley Bill aren't the best offensive trio in basketball. Now, a little later in the show, I'm going to do my top 10 uh, trios in basketball as currently constructed. But, spoiler alert, Bradley Bill, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant are going to be high on the list. I'm not going to say where they're going to land, but they're going to be high on the list. Because it's going to be very hard to stop this team offensively. Especially when, because they have three guys that can give you 40 or 50 on, on any given night. And... Again, that is that is a tough offensive trio to stop. Now, that's kind of where the praise stops for the Phoenix Suns. Because don't get me wrong, the Phoenix Suns still have work to do, and they understand that they have work to do. They are, as currently constructed, not really a team. You have... They're starting five right now that is on that it has a contract on the team is Cameron Payne, Devin Bo- or these this would be their starting five with the players that have a contract. Cameron Payne, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and uh DeAndre Ayton. Now, I don't expect DeAndre. I think they're going to try to trade DeAndre Ayton. I mean, they've been trying to trade DeAndre Ayton for a while now, but with this Bradley Bill contract, it's going to be very hard to build out this roster when you have three players pretty much. In fact, three players alone are putting you over the cap. And that is a. And they've. To me, Devin. Not Devin. DeAndre Ayton never really fit on this team. Especially when you look at his temperament and and you know the the tiffs between him and Monty Williams. Now, of course, Monty Williams isn't there anymore, but it just now with Bradley Bill being there, it seems more likely than ever that they're going to try to move DeAndre Aiden harder than usual. And I think it's actually going to be a little more difficult now because teams know DeAndre Aiden doesn't really fit on this team. Now they they need him, but. What they're going to charge is they're going to try to flip DeAndre Ayton to get multiple multiple players that fit this system. So it's gonna. I just don't foresee DeAndre Ayton being there long, which means that now you have a really top heavy team, and you really you you have a team that you really don't have a team. I think there's only six or maybe eight players on the contract now. Yes, you can go try to get uh, a Kogi back. You can try to get Bismack Biombo. You're definitely gonna have vet. You know, try to get to the veteran minimum. You're, you're, they're gonna try to build a competent roster, but and it's gonna be tough. Don't get me wrong. I, it's 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 hard for me to pick. You know, put them as a monk. Well, let me say this: the Phoenix Suns are amongst the the top teams in the West when they talk about just the sheer talent they have at the top now with. You know, Durant, Beal, and, and Devin Booker. It's it's going to be very hard for any team to slow their offensive firepower down. It's going to be very tough. I mean, you even saw in the playoffs just this year, even without Devin or even without Bradley Beal, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant 
pushed the the Denver Nuggets, who eventually won the championship, pushed them to six games. So they they talent wise, at least those three make the Phoenix Suns a top tier talent in the West and very hard to beat. Now. I'm I'm not going to go as far as say that they're championship caliber now because I need to see how they how they fill out this roster because again Cameron Payne as your only legit point guard is not going to work as far as that doesn't make you a championship caliber team it it doesn't and you know you, you know what that kind of go that that takes me to my next point. History tells you everything that you need to know. If you're if you have a problem with something, if you want to see how something's going to turn out, history is usually a great barometer and will have there's examples in history that that tells you exactly how something's going to happen. We have a new big 3 in the NBA and people are wondering how it's going to go. And people are comparing this new big three again, Devin or Kevin Durant, Bradley Bill, Devin Booker. They're comparing this big three to to other successful big threes in history. And how does this shake up? And is this at least currently constructed Phoenix Suns team a legit championship team? Here's where history is not kind to this Phoenix Suns team. When you look at all the big threes in recent memory, they all, I, I talked about it last episode or two episodes ago when we talked about dynasties. And I was I, I was asking my, we were talking about the, the Denver Nuggets. And I said, what makes a dynasty? And, what, and why is Denver a good candidate to be the next NBA dynasty. I'm not saying they will be, but they do have all the proponents or the components to be another dynasty. When you look at history, and I said, if you look at all the dynasties that we've had in, in NBA history, and actually in history in general, as far as sports history, there's there's drastic similarities. And the same thing can be said for big threes. I'm going to I'm not going to go through all of them, of course, but one similarity that every big three successful big three has is they have three players that can play different roles or three players that specifically play different roles. For instance, let's look at the Chicago Bulls big three. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, let's say Dennis Rodman. All three of them played a drastically different role for the for the Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan was the star. He was the scorer. Of course, he also played defense, but he was main his main goal was to be the star of the team and be the scorer. Scottie Pippen's main goal was to play defense, you know, pick, you know, score when he can. And Dennis Rodman was of course the the rebounder, the defensive anchor towards the rim. They all played different different points let's give you another another big three even though it was a short-lived big three but let's talk about the boston celtics paul pierce raging or not raging rondo uh ray allen and kevin garnett paul pierce of course 
score, take you off the rent, or take you off the dribble. Smooth game. Can create his own shot. Kevin Garnett, he was the energy. He was the force. He was the aggression of the team. He also was a great defender. And he was a really good scorer mid-range. And, of course, Ray Allen he had to change his game to be the catch-and-shoot three-point sniper that he ultimately was. They all play different roles. Hell, everyone talks like the Golden State Warriors were all offense. So let's talk about their big three. They had they had two iterations of a big three. Let's talk about their first iteration in the in the most the, the, to me the most successful iteration of the big three, and that was Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. When we talk about the Golden State Warriors big three. Steph Curry, of course, is the star. He is the three-point shooter. He is the scorer. He is the he's the one that can create. You know, the, he can create his own shot off the dribble. He's the greatest three-point shooter we've ever seen. He is the star. He's the nucleus. We talk about Klay Thompson, especially before the injury. Klay Thompson was mainly for for defense and catch and shoot threes. That was Klay Thompson's role. And of course, Steph Curry wasn't the greatest on-ball defender. Klay Thompson was that. And then you had Draymond Green, who was the facilitator. He also was the defensive anchor. He also was the heart and soul of that team. They also had an- the Golden State Warriors had another iteration of Big Three, and that was Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and let's say Klay Thompson. While yes, both of them are scores, Steph Curry, oh no, Kevin Durant was a different level of score than 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 Curry was. Not saying that he's drastically better, but Kevin Durant was more of a, you know, Curry had to change his game a little bit, but they all did different things. Curry turned into more of a facilitator, even though, yes, he was still a scorer and he was still the greatest, he still is the greatest shooter ever. His role changed. J- so you can fit Kevin Durant on the team and and maximize the success. Every single hell, if you want to talk about a less famous and a less talked about one, you can talk about the the Spurs and Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili. That big three was unique because Manu, they they understood that Manu Ginobili's skill set was maximized coming off the bench. It still was a big three. Tony Parker was the point guard, of course. The nucleus of that team was Tim Duncan and, and just his his sheer talent and, and ability to to score and ability to, you know, Mr. Fundamentals, probably the greatest power forward ever. And then Mono Ginobili was the spark off the bench. Every single successful big three, every single or every player in the big three did something different or had was was needed for something different every single successful big three you know what history also shows history also shows where things don't work and why they don't work we talked about the successful big threes there have been unsuccessful big threes let me talk about the most recent unsuccessful big three and that's the brooklyn big three you have kevin durant you have james harden you have kyrie irving one reason why it didn't work was, of course, injuries. Injuries and, and just the lack of, of, of playing together. That's, that's one reason why it didn't work. But what one thing that 
it's 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 obvious is that those three again Kevin Durant, James Harden and Kyrie Irving they share very similar skill sets and skill points and the things that they don't do all of them don't do like that Kevin Durant is a is a solid defender but that's not his his calling card Kyrie Irving does not play defense and James Harden does not play defense so it's hard when you get three of those together three of them together and you expect at least one of them to be like all right I'm gonna devote myself to the defensive side of the ball Again, you go back to the successful Golden State Warriors. Klay Thompson devoted himself to the uh, to the to the defense side of the ball. Of course, while being one of the greatest catch and shoot players we've ever seen, Draymond Green devoted him. I mean, he's he's arguably one of the greatest defenders in NBA history. Same thing with the big three with the Miami Heat: LeBron James, D Wade, and, and Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh had to change the way that he played because he was more of a dominant ball. Uh, a dominant ball stopping player when he was in Toronto. Well, now he turned into a catch and shoot. And of course, LeBron James had to elevate his defense and D Wade had to take a step back. They, they all changed their games to be successful. When you looked at the Brooklyn nets, of course, injury did play a part, but they were three players that did very similar things. And with them doing very similar things, it's, 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 it, it's not going to work. Where are you going to get the stops? Another another unsuccessful big three, right, was the Clippers' big three. Uh, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, and Blake Griffin. One of the biggest reasons why that big three didn't work was because you had two players that were so dependent offensively on another player that it wasn't an evenly distributed uh, need system. Meaning, Chris Paul couldn't lean on Blake Griffin to give you 30, 40 a night. Chris Paul couldn't lean on DeAndre Ayton to, or, or DeAndre Jordan, I'm sorry, to give you 20, 30 points a night. In fact, DeAndre Jordan couldn't be as effective even though he was a good rim protector and of course a a good rebounder he could not be successful offensively if it wasn't for Chris Paul and his ability to to assist the ball um I say all that to say we get to this current big three now and that is, of course, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Bradley Bill. And if history has anything to do with it, or if 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 we're going by what we've seen from history, this is going to be a good, exciting big three. But I don't know how successful it's going to be because you have three players that have very similar skill sets. And they also have very similar weaknesses. You're asking now Devin Booker how the team is currently constructed. You're asking Devin Booker to be a point first or a a, a 
point guard when he's never done that except for maybe high school. You're asking him to be a point guard. You're asking either Bradley Bill, Kevin Durant, or Devin Booker to devote themselves on the defensive side of the ball. The one time Kevin Durant devoted himself to the defensive side of the ball was in Golden State. When you're playing next to one of the greatest defensive players the league has ever seen in Draymond Green. I am a devout Wizards fan. So I can tell you sing I can tell you with confidence Bradley Bill is not that good on the defensive side of the ball. You can you can contribute it to the fact of, you know, he was pretty much Washington's only score and only light as far as talent for a good portion of that. So he probably was just focused on offense. But Bradley Bill, history can be changed. No, that's a lie. History doesn't always tell the whole story. But if we want to, if you want to look back in history to see how successful this trio is going to be, look at the players that we're talking about and look at their track record. And then look at what you're asking them to do. And have they done it before? Hell, Bradley Bill can turn into the the best defensive player in the league. He can turn into a Clay Thompson. Uh, Kevin or Devin Booker can turn into one of the best point guards in the league. Kevin Durant can turn into one of the one of the best defensive bigs in the league. But that's what's going to have to happen for this team to reach his ultimate goal. And if I'm a, if I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I wouldn't bet on that happening. We talk about this a lot when we talk about Russell Westbrook. Players are, it's hard when you have players that's been in the league for a long period of time to be in the league 11, 10, 11, 12, 13 years to then ask them to change what they've done their entire career. It's very it it's hard. That's why I I applaud someone like Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon was never a defender. Ever. Maybe in high school when he was just bigger than everybody else, but he wasn't a defender in Arizona. He was never a, a defender uh when he came to the league in Orlando. But one of the biggest reasons why the Denver Nuggets won is because of Aaron Gordon's defense in the playoffs. So it can happen. Don't get me wrong. It can happen, but it's 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 unlikely, to say the least. It's going to be exciting. Don't get me wrong. This this big three in Phoenix is going to be exciting. As you're going to see some electrifying offensive firepower from these three. And I'm excited to see what Bradley Brio looks like when you're when he's not a number one option i'm excited to see that and see just how talented well see just how he how much he contributes to winning that's what i definitely want to see
But and it's gonna be fun. But there's a reason why a lot of people, and I am I I am in that boat. A lot of people are hesitant to call this team a championship favorite. Because history, as many big threes as we've had, successful and unsuccessful, this big three is not on or doesn't show the characteristics of a successful big three. Now, again, they have not played a game together. And all this can be hyperbole. All this, I can be drastically wrong. And if I am drastically wrong, I will be the first person to come here and say, hey, I was wrong. This team is incredible. And I also, we also need to see what happens when they fill out the team. Like, what happens? Are they going to be able to trade DeAndre Aiden? If, if they trade DeAndre Aiden, what are they going to get for him? Are they going to, if they keep DeAndre Aiden, how does he fit with this team? Because DeAndre Aiden, he's one of those players where, you look and think to yourself, he should be better than he is. DeAndre Ayton should be, he has the skill set to be better. He just might not have the motor. So how does that fare on this team? I don't know. Again, this is all before we've seen a, we haven't even seen Bradley Bill in a Phoenix Suns jersey yet. But I am interested to see, um, I'm interested to see it, but as I said here today, I am hesitant to call this a championship favorite. When you have the fire, especially in today's NBA, when you have the the firepower and the offensive weaponry that this Suns team have, they yes, they can make it to a championship. Yes, they're going to be one of the top teams in the West and ultimately probably one of the top teams in the NBA, but when you look at damn near every NBA champion, they have the characteristics, again, going back to history, they have the characteristics that the Phoenix Suns at least currently do not have. Or at least all the characteristics that the Phoenix Suns do not have. So, we'll just have to wait to see. Let me... um. All right, so just a disclaimer. Um, This is the part of the episode where if you don't want to, uh, this is going to be a a rant, I guess you can say. If you don't want to hear me talk about the Wizards, if you don't want to hear my fandom come out, you probably want to skip a couple of uh, a couple couple minutes ahead. Let me tell you why it's so hard being a Wizards fan sometimes, most of the time. And I talk about this a lot. If you don't believe me, go back and watch past episodes, past clips. I talk about the word incompetence. And and I talk about how incompetence Sometimes it's 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 as deadly as a plague. 
and how incompetence can not only hinder a franchise, but can debilitate a franchise to its knees, to its core. And there are times when incompetence will never will never allow your franchise to get up or rebound or recover or even get on the right path to be competent. Because competence, weakness, competence, arch rival, competence, opposite is incompetence and in the boy it's you seen the movie um uh contagion contagion i think what it was oh you seen those movies like world war z and how fast something can spread that's what incompetence is to a franchise one decision can have drastic, damning ripple effects throughout the entire franchise. You see, people are probably asking why I have a, a hat on. I have a Philadelphia 76ers hat, but it's actually a draft hat. I'm going to talk about the draft in a second after I talk, you know, I'm going to talk about the draft, which comes in tomorrow, actually. Um, Washington obviously lost this Bradley Bill trade, obviously. You trade Bradley Bill, who... Two years in a row, led the league in scoring, has been the star that you have you have attached everything to in this franchise. Has been the star that everyone and their mama knew probably three, four, five years ago should have been traded. But you just you just knew. You just knew Bradley Bill was gonna prove everyone wrong. And don't get me wrong. I know it sounds like my anger is towards Bradley Bill. It's not. My anger is 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 towards incompetency. And how Washington has been a cesspool of incompetency. My entire, not my entire life, but majority of my life. I am tw- I am going to be 29 years old next month. I have never Seen Washington in the conference finals. And we have had some good players. We've had Bradley Beal. We've had John Wall. We've had Gilbert Arenas. We've had Antoine Jameson. We've had Karam Butler. We've had pieces. We've had players. We had yellow-eyed Michael Jordan still dropping 40 points or 50 points at age 40. We've had them all. And I have yet to see my team in a conference finals in my lifetime. 
But that's I'm I'm talking too broad. Washington, one of the biggest tall tale signs of incompetency is how you handle the draft. I understand that. Um, I understand that the draft is 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 a science, and it's hard to to crack if you don't have the number one pick. And Washington has had the number one pick before they got John Wall. And that worked out a little bit. But you can tell a, a tall one tall tale sign of incompetency is how you handle the draft. And Washington has had lottery picks multiple times. You get Juan Vesely. In fact, you get Juan Vesely. You get Johnny Davis. I'm talking too broad. Let's just stick with this Bradley Bill thing. And why it was destined that whenever this point was going to happen. And trust me, everyone and their mama outside of the Washington organization knew this was going to happen eventually. You are going to ultimately lose because of your decisions. Bradley Bill is going to start a new era in the ba- in basketball. I think Bradley Bill will be the the very last marginal player. Not marginal. Let me not disrespect Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill will be the first or the last player that is not a star to get a no trade clause. Because that's what ultimately killed Washington from from garnish, from garnishing any thing of substance from this trade Bradley Bill's no trade clause you had better deals for Miami you had better deals damn near everywhere you looked but because of Bradley Bill's no trade clause and by the way everyone in a mama knew you do not give Bradley Bill a no trade clause because he has not done anything to prove that he deserves a no trade clause I agree with Stephen A. Smith to a certain extent. I think there's only maybe four or five players in the league today that deserves a no-trade clause. Bradley Bill does not land on that list. You don't even get a first-round pick for a a three-time All-Star and a player that led the league in scoring two years in a row. Now you can say Jalen, Jay, Jay man, Jay money, the man, the myth, the legend. Look on the bright side. You now don't have to deal with Bradley Bill's contract, which is true. That is probably the only bright side to it because people can say, well, Jay, Jalen, Jay Money, Jay Breezy. You have a a good number of picks now. Second round picks, by the way. You have a good number of picks now. 
You can build through the draft. Which goes back to my other point. Have you seen Washington's draft history? In fact, y'all have time, don't y'all? Let's let's take a let's take a friendly stroll down Washington's draft history. These are just a couple of draft. In fact, these are the draft picks since Bradley Bill in 2012. These are the draft picks. Arjan Kazmini. I know I messed your name up, bro. My fault. Nate Walters. Otto Porter. Guess if Otto Porter is on our team anymore. Nope. Jordan Clarkson. We did draft Jordan Clark. Oh, shoot. He went to the Lakers from a bad trade. Aaron White. Jaron Grant. Do you know where Jaron Grant is right now? I know he's down in Washington. Yusef Sanon. Who the f- Troy Brown Jr. Is he on Washington? No. In fact, did he ever work in Washington? No. Oh, we got a good one. We got a good one, guys. Rui Hachimura. Oh, shoot. He's not in Washington either. He was a key piece to the Lakers in the playoffs just this year. I'll keep going. We have uh, ooh, Vit Krikchi. I don't even know where he's from. Spain. We have Danny Avdia. That's a decent pick. Corey Kespert, who, by the way, forgot how to shoot as soon as he put on a Washington Wizards jersey. Yannick Nazusa. Nazusha. Definitely irrelevant. And Johnny Davis. At the who was picked 10. Also, by the way, let me let me also go back. <coughs> Excuse me. Since John Wall in 2010, which we had the number one overall pick, we picked number 34, 18, 6, 32, 3, 54, 38, 3, 46, 49, 19, 44, 15, 9, 37, 9, 15, 54 and 10. You know what that spells? You know what that says? That we are a middle of the pack trash team. That we're not we're, we're too good to get a top pick. And we're too bad to get or we're, we're too good to get a top pick, but we're not good enough to contend for a championship. We're not even good enough to, to be a, a contending team. And it also says that when we get to the draft, we don't know what the hell we're doing. Who the fuck? Who is? Who is Yusef Sanron? San on. San on. Does he even play? Who is Nate? He went to South Dakota State. Who? Who is being? Look, bro. What I'm saying is this. I understand that the draft is difficult, right? But there's nothing about this Washington team that you just you want to wrap your 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 hands around 
or wrap your arms around and say, hey, take us home. Because what Washington has shown is that when you show any resemblance of, of talent, they're either going to do one or two things. They're going to prop you up of being a star when you're really not a star. You're a good player, but you're not a star. Let me not say that. Bradley Bill is a star. He's not a superstar. And they're paying him and giving him a no-trade clause like he is a superstar. Again, I agree with Stephen A. Smith to a certain extent. I didn't agree with everyone on his list. But there's only about four or five players that really deserve a no-trade clause in the league. Bradley Bill is not on that list. And to get back, to trade him, for him to ultimately dictate where you're trading him, And you're getting because think about this. And this is how this is how (laughs) this is how crazy this trade is, man, for the Washington side. You the Phoenix Suns don't have a first round pick till like 2030. And you didn't even get that. You got second round picks. Now, unless there is a uh, Nikola Jokic in this draft, which there definitely isn't. Yet, unless there is a Draymond Green in this draft, which there definitely isn't, or the draft soon to be, which I don't really foresee, then what are we doing? And you get back Chris Paul and Landry Shamit. Everyone and they mama knew Chris Paul more than likely is not going to step foot in Capital One Arena with a Wizards jersey on. So you're essentially trade. Bradley Bill for Landry Shamit. A three-point specialist off the bench. Oh, on top of that. (laughs) On top of that. Remember when you trade Rui for a whole bunch of people? Like you traded Rui for like, and you traded Russell Westbrook for like uh, Kyle Kuzma and and Kristaps Porzingis and all those. Well, Kristaps Porzingis nine times out of ten ain't gonna be there next year, and Kuzma nine times out of ten is not gonna be there next year either. So, once Washington gave Bradley Bill that uh no trade clause they ultimately shot themselves in the foot i understand it but that doesn't make the move smart everyone knew once you gave bradley bill a player that even even as soon as he got the contract he complained about the lack of winning and the lack of success from Washington. You know, Stephen A. Smith and all the Knicks fans are upset with the body language and some of the words and verbiage that Julius Randle does. Bradley Bill did the same thing in Washington. The only difference is he had a no trade clause in a max contract. And even worse, bro, they extended him. They gave him a max extension. Because they had to, because they had absolutely no direction to go in after you paid him a French man. You paid him. Oh boy. You gave Bradley Bill a max contract with a no trade clause. 
So you ultimately were going to lose any trade. And you gave you gave Bradley Bill not only a no trade clause, but you in his contract allowed him to dictate who you get. So Bradley Bill, bruh, bruh. In this Phoenix trade, Washington asked for DeAndre Ayton. Bradley Bill said, nah, B. Bradley Bill's agent is the son of the owner for, or the owner, yeah, no, GM. The GM, I think, for Phoenix. You didn't see the writing on the wall there? Washington, um... It's clear that Washington hit the reset button and they're in full rebuild mode. It's clear. Doing this move symbolizes a clear reset. The only um, the only uh, hesitation I have is what are you going to as a Washington fan? And I'm talking solely to Washington fans at this point. Do you do you have any faith that Wash? Because in a rebuild, you, there's a lot that you have to get right. You have to get free agency right. You have to get trades right. <laughs> you have to get um. You have to get the draft right. So Wash, I understand we have a new G or G, new GM. Washington fans, do you think has Washington built up the? built up the equity to have faith that they're going to get it done correctly and be this team that finally contends for a championship. Washington has some of the most loyal fans, bro. Not just Wizards, Washington Mystics, Washington Nationals, Washington Capitals, Washington Commanders, Washington uh, D.C. Def- uh, Defenders. Washington has one of the best fan bases. Let me not say best. One of the most loyal fan bases. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Washington fan and I'm from the D.C. Maryland area. What I'm saying is they're loyal to a fault. That this can keep happening, bro. That you can get the third overall pick. And don't get, let me see something. 2013 NBA draft. That you can get the third pick, bro. And this is no disrespect to Otto Porter. He's a champion now. And Otto Porter was really good in Georgetown. And while, yes, I understand that, you know, the 2013 draft wasn't the best, you have a third overall pick. And you pick Otto Porter Jr. When you could have got C.J. McCollum, Steven at, oh, I'm sorry. You could have got Giannis Antetokounmpo. Or, 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 you have the sixth overall pick in 2011, right? Sixth overall pick in 2011. Again, I understand that it's it's, it's it's hard in the draft, but you have the sixth pick. You pick Juan Vesely. You know who went after Juan Vesely? Just a couple names. Uh, Kimball Walker, Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard. If you want to, if you even want to go bottom of the totem pole, bro, Tobias Harris went after him. 
But you could have got Kawhi Leonard and Clay Thompson. And before I get off this, because I feel like I've I'm I'm hot right now. Like I'm legit hot. So I feel like I've given a lot of energy to Washington, man. This I don't have a direction. I don't have a I don't have a nice way of ending this. I understand Washington had to do this. I get I get it. But they didn't. I mean, I understand you had to trade Bradley Bill, but again, this is like four or five years too late. And and if everyone knew Bradley Bill wasn't gonna finish his career as a wizard, why give him a no trade clause? What essentially means that you're not gonna get. I'm not gonna say once you trade, it's very hard. You're more than likely you're not gonna get equal value for a star, unless you're doing a star for a star. You're not really gonna get equal value. But ascent giving giving. Giving, bruh, I totally forgot. In 2011, Jimmy Butler was drafted 30th. <laughs> but, like I said, giving Bradley Bill no trade clause essentially doomed your chances of getting fair compensation for a player of his caliber or even close. You think Bradley Bill is not worth not even one first round pick? And you got Bradley Bill, what, third? Yeah, you drafted Bradley Bill third, and you think that he's not worth one first-round pick? Not one? What you're essentially saying is Bradley Bill is worth a multiple second-round pick. Let me tell you who was drafted in 2011, since it's on my screen, or tw- 2011. Who was? Let me give you a – who's the best player that was drafted in the second round in 2011? Uh, maybe Boyan Bogdanovich. Maybe that. Yeah, that's probably it. Chandler Parsons. That's in fact. Let's go 2012 when Bradley Bill was drafted, right? Yeah. Who was the best player to come in the second round in 2012? Jay Cr- J- Draymond Green. Let's go 2013. One more draft. 2013. When you chose Otto Porter in the second in the th- Third overall, who was the best second round player in 2013? Ooh, um, is it? Damn. Oof. Uh, boy. Boy, boy, boy. Um, I, I'm gonna just guess. Maybe Alan Crab. Hmm. 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 Mike Muscala, probably the best one, since he looks like he's the only player that's still playing right now. Oh, right. Yeah, only player still playing, I think. What I'm saying is this. (laughs) I got to get off this because I I don't feel I feel like I'm talking in circles. Um. Washington is a as a as a poverty franchise, and they've been a poverty. If you want to be honest with it, they've been a poverty poverty franchise. Even at their even 
their best days as far as in my lifetime in 29 years of life their best the gilbert arenas chauncey billups uh antoine jameson deshaun stevenson brandon uh brendan hayward uh michael jordan john wall martian gortat Otto porter bradley beal even in our heyday we've never been a French, a, a good franchise. Let me not say that. We've been a good franchise. We've never been a great franchise. We've never been a contending franchise. And uh, I understand that this Bradley Bill trade is a, a, a reset, a franchise reset. And yes, with a new GM, uh, Possibly that could change things and, and and we can be on the right foot and we can be on the right track and and Washington can finally be that team that, you know, you can appreciate and can honestly say is one of the best. Because don't get me wrong, Washington has had g- good players. The franchise has just been trash, bro. And it's just been incompetent. It's been inept. It's been putrid. And there's no, there's no clear sign than this trade right here. You essentially trading a piece, a player that's a three-time All-Star that has is such a potent offensive weapon that he led the league in scoring two years in a row. I think just last year he had two straight 50-point games. You essentially trade him for Chris Paul, who, as soon as I saw the trade, like very, like five, ten minutes later, I heard, oh, they're going to try to reroute him. So I knew he wasn't playing in a Washington and Landry Shamit, a, a journeyman at this point. And not a first-round pick in sight. I guess since I'm I'm gonna move off because uh, yeah I'm gonna move off. I think what, one thing that I do want to talk about um, is where Chris where, where Chris Paul fits. You're hearing two teams right now, and and I guess I'll throw a third team in there. Uh, the two teams that you're hearing is the Clippers and the Lakers. Both teams are in desperate need of a point first point guard. Um, I think the the, the Clippers. They're going to try to either bring back Russell Westbrook or get Chris Paul. And then the Lakers, as we saw, they 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 don't – I don't think they have – well, their point guard is D'Angelo Russell, who's more than likely not going to return, and Dennis Schroeder. I think that Chris Paul, even at this point of his career, would be an upgrade for Dennis Schroeder. I think – for Chris Paul, you have to ask yourself, who do you want to who do you want to align your the end of your career with? Because there's no doubt in my. I mean, you can just watch where Chris Paul is at the end of his career. Yes, he's had a Hall of Fame level career. The only thing that he hasn't had is, of course, a championship. But he is a Hall of Fame player. Um, but it's 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 clear and evident that he is at the end of his career. The fact that you can get traded to a team and they don't even really want your services at all. 
um, is 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 a tall tale sign. Um, and again, it's for him. Is who do you want to align yourself with? Do you want to align yourself with Chris Paul and Paul George, who of course are the younger of the two of the of the two teams? However, they are they suffer the most from the injuries. Or do you want to align yourself with LeBron James and and Anthony Davis, where I think you're gonna Chris Paul is gonna have to change his game a little bit playing alongside LeBron James and of course we do know Anthony Davis also suffers from the injury bug so I think another team that I would love to see, I think his services in a different capacity uh would work for Chris Paul is the Memphis Grizzlies I think that that it's such a young roster and it needs especially John Moran it needs a solid veteran and it needs a veteran they can respect because right now the vet for Mil uh for the Grizzlies is Steven Adams, who's like younger than me. So you get Chris Paul in there. He takes, you know, uh, John Morant under his wing. I think that'll be a good fit. I don't know if they can afford it or whatever, but that would be a good fit. So I think right now the two teams to look at um, is, of course, the Clippers and Lakers because they most need. I mean, you're hearing reports that the Clippers are interested in Chris Paul uh, and, you know, they need uh they need a, a a point guard and the lakers are desperate need of a point guard seeing as though a lot of their team is free agents at this point so and i think it'd be interested to see uh, it'd be interesting to see chris paul in a in a grizzlies uniform as for his mentorship and for you know just his wisdom especially with a young talent like john morant so that's that man that that is that I didn't say everything that I wanted to say, of course, uh, with with Washington and and because I, I just it's it's mental health, you know. I I've I it's it's man. Do you know how difficult you might? I don't know what part of the you could be a Lions fan, <laughs> you could be a, a a Cleveland Browns fan, you could be a a Pelicans fan. I don't know. You could be a Charlotte Hornets fan. But for the people that are like newly Golden State Warriors fans or Lakers or Celtics or Steelers, well, old Steelers or Patriots, Chiefs. Do you understand how hard it is going into a, a NBA or NFL season and knowing that your team absolutely has no shot in winning a championship? Like, everything, the stars can align and everything can go well for your franchise and you still... <laughs> aren't a championship caliber team that's and now your best franchise your best player or the player that you have attached your franchise to since 2012 you trade for penny you know i'm not gonna go back let's move forward with the bradley bill um Bradley Bill trade to Phoenix. We have a new big three. We have, again, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Bill. And what I wanted to do is I looked, and there's a lot of – there's a lot. I understand that there's – the whole big three era is kind of been known to be dead. Uh, probably – I'm not going to say dead or – I'll say dying. 
But there are still big threes in the NBA, and there are still really good big threes in the NBA. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to give my top ten. Um, I'm going to start from ten, go to one, and I'm going to explain just a little bit why these big threes are placed where they're placed. Now, there are big threes that did not make my list that are incredible uh, or that are really good. Let me say that. Like, uh, spoiler alert, the Cleveland Cavaliers, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland and Jared Allen, they didn't make the list. I think Jared Allen's kind of kind of bringing them down on that big three. But Donovan Mitchell, especially in the regular season, is incredible. You know what I mean? Um, and there are some great players that don't that don't necessarily or aren't necessarily on a big three team that didn't make the list. Uh, we're going to talk to Dame a little bit later, but you know what I mean? So let's let's just start with the list and let's start at number 10. Looking at last year and, and, and going into next season, right now I have the Sacramento Kings, which is Darren Fox, uh, DeBonis, or Monta Sabonis, and Keegan Murray. I have them at number 10. Donovan, I mean, Darren Fox led the Kings to their first playoff win in God knows how long. Um, hold on. Hold on. Did I just see something? Did I just see? Yeah, knew that was gonna happen. Sorry, guys. I just saw that Kyle Kuzma, uh, a person that Washington got, uh, declined his player option. Just knew that was gonna happen. We knew we didn't keep him, Kyle Kuzma. All right, back to the list. I'm sorry. De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, and Murray, number ten. They, I mean. Darren Fox won the first ever Clutch Player of the Year award. Keegan Murray, he uh, broke an NBA record for most threes by a rookie. So, and Sabonis, he, I mean, Fox and Sabonis both made an all-NBA team. That's how good they were. So, I have them at number 10. As currently constructed, at number nine, I have to go with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook. Now, as a team, as a team, it's not the best. You know, they're not the best fit, uh, especially when we talk about Russ and and how much he needs the ball and Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard. They're not the best fit. But if we talk about just sheer players on a team, I have them at number nine because Injuries definitely play a huge part in why they're so low, but when they're available, we know how good Kawhi Leonard is. We know how good Paul George. I mean, Paul George finished third. When he was with OKC, he finished third in MVP voting, and we know how good Russell Westbrook can be. The only thing is, again, Russell Westbrook may or may not be there next year uh, or next season, and injuries are still play a big part in the lack of success that this big three has had or that the big three or let me just say the big two which is Kawhi and Paul George they've had with their tenure in in LA however when healthy there's still a formidable one two three punch so I have Kawhi Leonard Paul George and Russell Westbrook at number nine Number eight, I have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves is really bringing down this list, bringing down this three. Um, not saying he's bad, but you know, it's it's and and with LeBron James, he's getting older. Obviously, Anthony Davis, he is Anthony Davis is supposed to be the best player on this team by now. Uh, and 
his lack of consistency and I think lack of quote unquote dog that he has in him, I think that's kind of what's holding him back from being the best player because anyone in their mama that watched the NBA and watched the Lakers on any given night understands how good Anthony Davis is. It's just the consistency part is what kind of fails him drastically. Um, and LeBron James, even at what, 38, he'll be 39 next year. Even at 38 years old, is still a top, one of the top players in the league and is one of the biggest reasons why I have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves. And let me not just crap on Austin Reeves. Austin Reeves emerged as a really solid third option last year and he's, and he's going to get paid big time, um, for that. And he was a key reason why the Lakers made it to the playoffs, um, and he he had some really big moments in the playoffs, especially going up against um, what going up against the Grizzlies and Golden State. So I have uh, LeBron, AD, and Austin Reeves at number eight. Number seven, I have Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Taliero. I uh, I under this is probably one of the more underrated uh, big threes. The only reason why I have them so low at number six, even though, or I'm sorry, number seven, even though they did just make the NBA Finals, is because a Jimmy Butler, and I talk, I'm not trying to just crap on Jimmy Butler, but as we saw from Jimmy Butler, he drastically declined in the playoffs. Uh, you know, from the top, you know, he just kept. It was just a steep decline and I understand that people are going to say do the injury but like he said he kept playing and it didn't affect him so I'm just going to go upset maybe he was tired maybe he was gassed I don't know I think Bam Adebayo his inconsistency even though he had a good NBA finals I will shout out Bam Adebayo he had a good NBA finals he's been inconsistent and Tyler Euro he has emerged as their third best player and probably their second scoring option but you know it's like what is Tyler Euro's ceiling? In fact, what is the Miami Heat ceiling? Is it making it to the championship? Yes, but I don't think anybody outside of Heat fans thought that Miami had an actual shot of winning. But they did make it. So I have Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Euro at number seven. At number six, don't hate me. Please don't hate me. I have Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Tyrese Maxey. Again, let's not forget, Joel Embiid just won the NBA, I mean, the NBA uh, MVP. James Harden is a former MVP. And while, yes, James Harden is not the James Harden of old, he's not the James Harden uh, that, of course, we grew to love in Houston, he still was, I mean, he had, what, one or two uh, game winners in the playoffs, and he had a couple 40-point games in the playoffs. And Tyrese Maxey is emerging as a young star, a young star in the league. I'm not going to go as far as a superstar, but with his offensive ability, with his quickness, that that trio, when they are playing at their best, is hard to stop. Uh, and, I mean, Joel Embiid, again, he did just win the MVP, and I think he's the second best, uh, one of the most skilled big men we've ever seen, second best big man in the league right now. You know, it, it's hard to go against Joel Embiid outside of Nicole Jokic, but I have Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Tyrese Maxey at six. At five, I had Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart. Here's the thing. Marcus Smart is, is kind of like Austin Reeves, bringing down that three, um, but 
Marcus Smart defensively, I mean, he did win defensive play of the year last year. Um, and I guess his three-point shot is getting better, even though he's not really a good three-point shooter. This big three is definitely getting carried by their big two, which is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, I'm interested to see, is Jalen Brown going to remain a Boston Celtic by the start of next year? or by the trade deadline of next year, I am interested to see because I don't know if we've seen the cap or the, the ceiling for this Boston Celtics trio. Because Jason Tatum is Jason Tatum. I mean, he had a 51-point 50, game seven against Philly. We know how potent of an offensive weapon he is. And we know that when he and Jalen Brown devote themselves to the defensive side of the ball, when they were coached by Ime Udoka, um, they were one of the best defensive trios, uh, or duo th- trios actually, because again, Marcus Smart did win the defensive play of the year. We just got to see. I don't know if they if if we've seen the best of this trio, but but I will say is the best of this trio is still a damn good trio, and that is again Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart. And number four, I have Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday. The reason why I have them number four, not higher, is because of Chris Middleton's health. And not only is it Chris Middleton's health, but because of the injuries that Chris Middleton has sustained, you can see a a clear decline in Chris Middleton. I'm not saying he's not good. Obviously, they're still number four on my list. But when Chris Middleton was at his peak, he was very underrated because, of course, he played for the Bucks. He played alongside um, Giannis Antetokounmpo. But while, yes, Giannis was the main reason that the Bucks won the NBA championship back in, what, 2021? Uh, Chris Middleton was a huge part as well. Clutch shots. Chris Middleton is probably the only player on that team that can put the ball on the ground consistently and get his own shot jump shot uh drew holiday is one of the most underrated players as far as offensively and defensively now and we know who Giannis is Giannis is Giannis two-time MVP finals MVP he's Giannis arguably the best player in the league the reason again why I have them at number four is because of Chris Middleton's health is always a question mark or has been a question mark these last few years since winning the championship and even when he's played his his uh his impact has diminished probably because of the injuries. Uh, so I have them at number four. Number three, I have Steph, Clay, and Draymond Green. Now, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I understand people are going to, well, the Lakers did this. The Lakers did that. What about this year? Let's really look at this year. If you want to be honest, I understand that a lot of people don't like Golden State. Don't get me wrong. I understand a lot of people don't like the whole dynasty thing. I get it. And people are happy that the Lakers beat uh, Golden State because they f- think it's the end of the dynasty. Cool. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it's not. What I'm saying is let's be completely honest and 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 let's actually look at what we saw last year from Golden State. Steph Curry had one of his best statistical seasons, especially if you count if you count the playoffs since he won the MVP back in 2016. Clay Thompson had his best offensive season. Now, yes, I understand that in the you know the second round of the playoffs, and, and he couldn't hit the side of a barn. And actually, towards the end of the playoffs, he could not hit the side of the barn. Like he just couldn't. He just couldn't hit anything. But Clay Thompson had statistically, at least offensively, one of his best, if not his best, 
season he had he's had in years. Clay Thompson. Now, yes, defensively he is he's caught, you know injuries are gonna when you when you hurt both your ACLs like it's 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 gonna be tough. Um, but Clay Thompson had one of the best seasons that he's had in years, especially at, when we talk about offensively. And Draymond Green, I mean, yes, he's not the Draymond Green of old. None of them are the of the players of old. I mean, Steph Curry's 35 and both Draymond and Clay are 33, I believe. So they're both getting up there in NBA age. But Draymond Green still finished um on the defensive all defensive second team. So, while yes, you're not getting the 2015-2016 uh Golden State Warriors big 3, you're still getting Steph Curry who is Arguably a top three player in the league. You're still getting Klay Thompson at his best last year. Was one of the best offensive weapons in the league. And Draymond Green, who is still one of the smartest players in the league. And still finished all defensive second team. So, I still see greatness in that. Now, I, I and that's one of the biggest reasons why I am hesitant to say that the dynasty is over. Because if as long as those three... Are on the team? Oh, quick, quick side note for people that are saying, "Oh, it's over with," because Draymond Green uh, declined his player option. Everyone knew that was going to happen because now Draymond is Draymond Green can sign a longer deal instead of just a one year deal. He can sign a longer deal with the team and be secure more. So I think that he's going to stay with Golden State. I think. Majority of people think he's going to stay in Golden State. Uh, it was just instead of getting one year, uh, now you can do another deal and get multiple years. So, But going back to it, I have Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green as the third best trio in the league right now. Number two, I have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and Bradley Bill. Yes, I understand. We have not seen them play. But... And like I said so far back in this episode ago, you have three players that averaged 23 or more points a game uh, last year. You still have Kevin Durant, who is Kevin Durant. You have Devin Booker, who was doing things in the playoffs offensively that I don't think we've seen. I didn't think he could even he was even possible of doing. Um, and Bradley Bill, again, I said this last episode, Bradley Bill is a really good number one. He's a great number two and a phenomenal number three just because of his skill set. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. But that is going to be any given night. A lot of people are going to pick. The Suns have a good shot of winning a lot of games just because of those three alone and just how potent of scores they can be. So I have Chris or Cape. What in the world? <laughs> I have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker and Bradley Bell at number two. And out of respect, I have Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Aaron Gordon, number one. They just won a championship. And kind of like I said when we talk about all the great um, all the great big threes earlier in the episode, each big three does something different. Or each one of these big three, again, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Aaron Gordon, they all do something different. Aaron Gordon has unlocked a defensive badge that I don't think – 
he's ever had. Uh, Jamal Murray is probably the only player that can on that team that can put the ball on the ground consistently and get their own points and create their own shots and be a sniper from the three and get to the rim. And we know Nicole Jokic, arguably the best player in the league, for sure the best center in the league, for sure the most skilled center in the league. And they did just win a championship. <laughs> so, and Nicole Jokic did just win finals MVP and Western Conference finals MVP. So, uh, that's my list. Number five or number 10, I have um, the Darren Fox, Sabonis, and Keegan Murray. Number nine, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook. Number eight, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves. Number seven, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Tali Euro. Number six, Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Tyrese Maxey. Number five, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart. Number four, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday. Number three, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. Number two, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal. And number one, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Aaron Gordon. If I left a big three or you don't like my placement, leave it in the comments. We'll talk about it. Again, I talked about me wearing a hat. Uh, the draft is tomorrow. And this is a very interesting draft. It's a very interesting draft because there's, to me, there's only one generational or franchise changing talent. One. And that is Victor Wimanyama. I think that there's a reason why. <laughs> Everyone is going from pick two down because we know who number one is going to be. And that's Victor, and that's it. Um, now, there are players, right? There are players that I don't know if they're franchise-changing players, but they're very good players. I mean, you have Brandon Miller. You have Scoot Henderson, which a lot of people are debating should go number two or number three. You have the Thompson brothers. You have uh, – or Thompson twins. You have Cam Whitmore. Um <laughs> you have Anthony Black. Like, there are really good players that's in this draft. Uh, I'm interested to see where Jordan Hawkins go out of UConn. I, again, it's it's going to be, it's, it's going to be interesting because I think this is probably one of the first drafts in a while where you can get, very good talent outside of the top maybe 10 like think about it outside of the top 10 they have Grady Dick um they have him going outside the top 10 Jordan Hawkins um they have Jet Howard they have Chris Murray who is Keegan Murray's brother they they have some really good pieces coming out of uh Gigi Jackson they have good players coming out of this out of the top ten. So and, and a lot of these players, Noah uh Noah Conley, like they they have these players can can change or be impact players day one. Not saying they're gonna change the franchise or anything, but impact players day one. And I'm just interested to see. It's it's a very interesting draft. Now, again, none of them, nobody in this draft, not even Brandon Miller, not even Scoot Henderson, none of them have the same impact that Victor Wimanyama is going to have, like not even close. I think Victor Wimanyama, here's the thing, though. 
I will say my only concern about Victor is, of course, his size. Uh, I am interested to see what Chet Holmgren, who, of course, was drafted last year, didn't play at all. I'm excited. I'm interested to see what he looks like in the league. I understand that the physicality in the league is definitely tapered down, and, and, and it's not what it used to be. But Victor is very, very skinny. I understand he has a skill set that a lot of people don't have, and they're saying that he's or he's projected as one of the greatest prospects ever. But I'm just interested to see how is he going to fare with the lack of size um, that he has. Like, hell, Chet, he he got hurt, and I don't understand it was a freak incident, but he got hurt playing in a, in a pro, pro-am game. So, and you know how skinny Chet is. So I, I am interested to see that. But I mean, I, Brandon Miller is going to be a really good Scoot Henderson, who is pretty much a Russell Westbrook with a jump shot. Uh, <laughs> again, the Thompson brothers, where they're going to go, it's it's going to be interesting. Drace Walker, it's it's going to be interesting. But I'm excited to see Washington has the eighth overall pick. I think we're projected to get Anthony Black. Um. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm done talking about Washington today. Oh, but this is where I win my episode. I understand you're not listening, brother. But let me have a heart. To, I want. I'm gonna have a heart to heart with uh with uh Damian Lillard because I think a heart to heart is needed with Damian Lillard because maybe he's. Dame, give it up, bro. Give it up. Every single year, every single offseason, we play this double dutch. Is Dame going to leave? Is Dame not going to leave? Is Dame going to stay? Is Dame not going to stay? I understand you want to be loyal, right? And I understand you don't want to be on that list of players to just jump ship, but let me let me let me give you a clear perspective of what is going to happen or two things that could happen. Portland has the number three overall pick. You've already said that you don't want to you don't want young players. You want vets. Right. So what that tempts or, or what that means is you pretty much want Portland to trade that pick, which I understand. The problem is, I don't know who you think you're getting that's going to change your franchise into a championship caliber franchise. I heard Paul George. I heard Bam Adebayo. Yes, both great players. But a team with Damian Lillard and Bam Adebayo or Damian Lillard and Paul George is a really good team, but not a championship caliber team. Especially when you have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. Especially when you have those players in your conference. And most of them are on the same team. And I didn't even mention LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Like, I didn't even mention 
young and emerging teams like De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, and Murray. Dame, look. What it is is fans want you to maximize your talents. Fans want you to maximize your skill set. And it's it's being depreciated in 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 You know what you know what it is? I think Dame wants I think Dame wants to, of course, stay loyal, even though there's no loyalty in sports. He wants to stay loyal, and Dame wants to get to the point where the team trades him. Or he'll feel better if the team trades him, so we're going to be like, hey, look, I tried to stay loyal. They traded me. Bro, that's not going to work, Dame. I don't care. You're not going to – your the championship window isn't going to suddenly open up if you trade the number three overall pick. You're not getting anybody. I understand Scoot Henderson's good. You might get like a, a, a solid player, but you're not getting a championship caliber player. I understand that. I think Damian Lillard is is good enough that you can build a championship team around. But look at the history of Portland. Have they ever built a championship caliber team? Ever. I talk about Washington. They had the 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 Portland Trailblazers had Brandon Roy. They had LaMarcus Aldridge. They had Nicholas Batoon. They had Clyde Drexler. Terry Porter. They've had great players. Have they ever built a championship caliber team? No. So, Dame, I understand you want to be loyal. I understand that that's, I get it. But what's going to happen is, your loyalty is turning into delusion. If you think that this Portland team, who has not shown the ability to build a championship caliber team, even if they have championship caliber players, you're banking on a team to build a championship t- caliber roster with a pick. Now, yes, Scoot Henderson's cool, but... I don't know who you think you're getting with a third overall pick. Maybe Zion. But think about it. You think Zion Williamson and and, and Damian Lillard is, is just that, that combo that's going to dethrone a bunch of big threes right now? Bruh, Dame, let it go, bro. Nobody's, nobody's going to judge you for asking out. No one. No one. Not even most loyal fans that like call people runners. No one is going to, no one is going to, uh, is going to uh, look at you any differently asking, asking to leave. No one's going to call you a quitter. No one's going to say you, you, you bail when it gets tough. No one's going to say you quit on them. No one's going to say you you gave up on us. No one's going to say that. You know what they're going to say? Hey, <laughs> I mean, what what else was Damian Lillard going to do? I get it. And hell, if they scoot, if they if they draft Scoot Henderson, great player, still not going to make you a championship caliber team because he's a rookie. What is he going to do? Leave, Dame. Leave. 
And there you have it, man. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweaty, long, ooh, shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below and multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your unpopular podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers by my birthday, which is July 20th. Um, I think I'm at like 840 now. So I appreciate anything can help. Definitely appreciate it. Um, Please subscribe to the socials, Instagram, Twi uh, TikTok. I, I pretty much post daily uh, content daily on there. Uh, and if you get a response from me, whether or if you get a response, whether it's the Instagram, whether it's TikTok, whether it is in, uh, YouTube, if you comment on a video, comment on a post and you get a response, that is actually me responding. So, uh, you know, I don't mind chatting up with you guys. Just be respectful. And again, I appreciate you guys immensely, man. Uh, and I love you guys. And thank you. And, G and am I saying Jesus' name? Praise you in the world. <laughs> uh, until next time, much love.